You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Pesach, if you're Bukhar. Uh, Avrami was here. We've talked about it before, but I'm actually going to go into this a little bit different and also talk about uh, the idea of, uh, which we've also discussed, which is the idea of, in our halacha class, of not eating matzah, not eating matzah on Erev Pesach. So in other words, there's about, uh, there's about three things that, that, that I want to deal with. <laughs> One of them is the fasting of the Bukhor. The other is not eating matzah on Erev Pesach, and what's that about? And the third thing I want to talk about is if you're a slave, a Jewish slave, how do you act at the Seder? Jews had slaves, by the way. So did almost everybody else. Uh, now, I mentioned this a couple of, uh, in a couple of other classes. You know, when we think about slavery, uh, you know, we think about, uh, you know, images that we have from Hollywood, the antebellum South. Um, there were people that were in very much indentured servants and, and some of them were treated very well, but it was all, it was part of Jewish life as well. It was the life everywhere. There were people who this was the only way they could live. And uh, how were they at the Seder? Uh, what did they act like? You know, they were part of the family in a way. And, 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 and what would be the, their activities at the Seder? So that's the three things. And uh, two of the three things have their sources uh, in the Yershalmi. So I'm going to talk, I'll start with the Yershalmi and talk about these two things. And then we're going to talk about the third thing. All right. And it is going to be true as a postcom because the postcom definitely going to play a large role as far as this goes. So let's get started here. It's good to see everybody. Or not. Um, if you take a look at, I've shared my screen with you, and you can see uh, your Shalmi in the beginning of the tenth parak of Selchim. So the the Talmud was speaking about um, not eating on erev Pesach past a certain time, um, and that was a certain debate about when you have to stop eating and. and what is it that you might be able to eat in order not to be, not to fill yourself up? So the Talmud asks the following question. The Talmud Yerushalmi. You can see here where the cursor is. I know you're not supposed to eat. It says, the Mishnah says, do not eat. Okay. Maybe yochal just means like a real meal. How about some snacks? How about targima, some good fruits, vegetables? Some say targima might even mean uh, a good piece of meat, a good piece of chicken, a piece of kugel. We know you're not supposed to eat on Erev Pesach, but I mean, you're not going to starve, are you? What about some other stuff? What about some meat, kugel, a piece of chicken, <laughs> right? An apricot. So what about that? So in order to answer that question, the Gemara quotes a uh, a very famous uh, rabbinic personality, Rabbi Yudin Nesaya. Now that could be Yehuda Hanasi, but I don't think so. 
I think it's his grandson who was also called Yehuda Hanasi. But instead of Yehuda Hanasi, Rebbe Yehuda Hanasi, the great Rebbe, his name was Rebbe Yehuda Nesaya. So he was also a great rabbi. Uh, he wasn't exactly on the level of his grandfather, but he had the same name. And he was also considered the leader of uh, the Jewish people in Israel. So what did you, this grandson of Yudah Nasi do? Well, in this case, Socha, he went to the mikvah. Socha, he got himself nice. And, and, and remember, the mikvah was an exhausting situation, getting hot. And it wasn't just the mikvah, it was actually a whole bath, a whole hot bath. Vitzocha, and he was thirsty. Shol Ravmana, he asked Ravmana. Now, this is a name, and it has a, a significance here. I'm not just wanting to study your Shalmi with you. But I want, Ravmana is a name that hardly appears in the Babli at all. But uh, Avrami, who's here with us, Avrami Salman, who's here with us, has been studying your Shalmi with me over the last couple of months. And Ravmana is there almost every page. He's he's almost like the Ravin and Ravashi. He's almost like the the the, the author of the Yerushalmi. So anyway, uh, Yehuda, he was from the first generation of Amaroyim. He's he's mentioned a lot. So they, he asked Rav Mona, uh, "Can I Yehuda says can, can I, I want to drink something? I'm thirsty." So he says he said, "Begin the Osit Sochi. You know I'm thirsty." Can I drink something at least? I know it's already, I've gone to the mikvah, it's already later in the afternoon. Can't I have something to drink? So we said, no. You can't have anything. It's too late. You shouldn't drink anything, Yehuda Nesiah. You shouldn't even have anything to drink at all. Wow. Okay. Again, obviously, if he would be passing out, we'd give him something to drink. Let's take a look at the next statement, though. Amar matzah If somebody eats matzah on erev pesach, and we're not even seemingly this is earlier than after mincha. Bibo, or it should be there. Some say that this should be a cuff. Kibbo al rusaso chamav. It's as if. He has done something that was a big no-no in the time of the rabbis, the time of Chazal. It's as if you had relations with your wife. But she's not completely your wife according to custom yet. She's called an arusa. She's called a woman that you're married to, Kedushin, but you, you still have Nisuin. And in those days, Chazal, uh, made a, an isur, a rabbinic isur of living with a woman till you had sheva brachas and a ksuva and a chup and everything. You didn't have that yet. Now she's married to you, but you still got to go through the process to make it right, to bring it to your house. In those days, where did the woman live? She lived bebeit chamav in your father-in-law's house. Now sometimes you were invited over to come for a meal. Uh, have some food and see your wife. <laughs> but then your father-in-law would give you your hat and you'd walk out <laughs> without even a handshake. That was the standard uh, process. Take a look and see how many people we got here today. They got five. That's good. So that's me and four others. So the standard hand, that's what it was. But obviously there was a lot of hanky-panky. There were people fooling around. That was a no-no. 
If you uh, would do that, you would be considered an Avaryan. In fact, as you can see here in the Talmud, it says, if you do such a thing and we catch you, I don't care if she's your wife. You didn't do the process. We're beating you up. We're giving you something called rabbinic lashes. Makod mardot. Okay. And I assume it happened. <laughs> a lot of fathers says, that guy couldn't control himself. Okay. Now, if you eat matzah on Erev Pesach, that's the same thing. And it sounds like the implication is that if the rabbis catch you eating matzah on Erev Pesach, they would actually beat you. And that is the way it's actually uh, codified here in the Rambam. Take a look, my friends. Look at the magic of sharing your screen. The Rambam writes, if you can see it, oh, let's go up. Take a look. Asru chachamim lechol matzah. Hope everybody, lechol matzah be'erev Pesach, k'day sheyiye heker lachiloso be'erev. It's usher to eat matzah on Erev Pesach. It sounds like the whole day. If you eat matzah on Erev Pesach, we hit you. We beat you up. <laughs> In fact, there were some texts, most of the editions of the Rambam actually had the words, we hit him to an inch of his life. Wow. Now, the Rambam, I don't think, had that in his text. I think the the printers put that in. But even the Rambam, the way it's written in, in the classic and in the Taimani text that we that this is based on, indicates it's a pretty serious offense, eating matzah on Erev Pesach. Uh, and, and the parallel, I guess, is sort of like troubling. What, what's the connection here, Right. Now again, you could say, "Hey, it's time for matzah. That's 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 what a Jew, that's what a Jew is supposed to eat. I want to bond with my. Uh, I want to bond with it. Um, but but yet, let's uh, that out here. But yet, doing it before the time is wrong. It's got to be proper, and therefore you're ruining what matzah is supposed to be. You're ruining it." And, and we don't want you to sort of like be a, 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 a pace setter for others. We want matzah to be eaten properly. And um, but this parallel is really fascinating. You know, the fascinating uh, it actually leads to a, a very important debate, which I'm not going to be able to show you all the sources on, between two of the giants of of, of the medieval age. Uh, Rabbi Zerachia Halevi, known as the Balamor, uh, he lived in Provence, but he was very proud of his Spanish heritage to where he had come from originally. Rabbi Zerachia Halevi, the Balamor, uh, he writes that in order for the parallel to make sense, it's got to be only from midday on. I know it says Erev Pesach, but it's only from midday on. 
It's not, it's, it's not the whole day. It's only from midday on. Okay. Uh, it's only from midday. Because then you have an accurate parallel. What's the accurate parallel? Hmm, midday, I can't eat chametz because it's already midday, because that was the time we would slaughter the Korban Pesach. He can't eat chametz. So now it makes sense. It's like the girl, she can't be married to anyone else, but I can't have her either. Now the parallel makes sense. That's what the Balamor says. So he says, it's not so bad. It's only a half a day. Okay, that you want to eat matzah earlier in the day, that's fine. The Rambam definitely sounds like it's all day. That's what it sounds like. And, and that's what the Ramban disagrees with the Balamor. And he says, you know what? It's still you're in anti chametz mode even from the night before. And maybe you shouldn't even be eating matzah the night before either. For the whole 24 hours before Pesach starts, you shouldn't be eating it. And I, I know the parable is to the woman who you're usher to, but this is a period that we're getting rid of chametz. Matzah shouldn't be here either. And that's what the rabbis are trying to emphasize here. Okay. So that's an interesting issue not to eat matzah uh, on that day. And the rabbis put their muscle behind it. Okay, that's one interesting thing from the Yerushalmi. But take a look here. Tani Rabbi Yudah ben Beseira. The Yerushalmi goes on. Tani Rabbi ben Beseira Omer. I say you can't even eat chametz. This whole day you basically can't eat chametz or matzah. Bein chametz, bein matzah, oser. Now, the Mephorshim explain, why can't you eat chametz? You can't eat chametz or matzah? You're just going to eat snacks? Why can't you eat chametz in the beginning of the day? It's only half a day. Even if we we stop eating chametz in the fourth hour, you should get up early to have your bagels. So the reason of Yudam and Beseira was is because he had an interesting opinion. His opinion in the Gemara and Zvachim was that you can shecht your carbon Pesach uh, from the time the sun goes up. We know, and it makes sense, really, if you think about it. Uh, there's so many korbanos to bring. Why should you have to wait till midday? There were millions of animals. Imagine what the Beis Hamikdash was. Imagine the type of 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 of, of pandemonium. Rabbi, you're cutting in and out. You're also mute now, Rabbi. Okay, can you hear me now? Can you hear me? I think so. Yep. Okay, good. All yes. right. Okay, so I think we're back on the recording. Yes, bandwidth, internet. I'm upstairs in the attic. So one day we'll all be together here in the attic. You'll see where all this magic takes place. But anyway, here we go. And of course, uh, you know, Mark has been at the house, Leon, and, and Avrami has been here as well. But hopefully we should all be together soon be able to come to each other's homes and really relish the opportunity. Uh, you get, I'll get to see Mark's dog and Mark will be able to see our new, I guess it's our new dog. <laughs> we'll see. Dolly might make a, she might show up over here. I know she does come up here looking for something. 
Uh, she's a dog that is clearly a dog that has been, I told Bachi, my daughter, she looks at me for food all the time. Whoever her previous owner was, was feeding her constantly table scraps. I know that. But uh, I'm under a, a serious, uh, uh, I have to wear my mask and I can't feed the dog any table scraps. That's what it is. But <laughs> anyway, we'll see if she comes. I think the CDC, I think the CDC recommends both those things, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see if she comes up. Um, anyway. Um, so anyway, what are we talking about? Well, so we see in the Yerushalmi uh, this idea, don't eat matzah. And now we see another thing, don't eat chametz either. Now, why don't you eat chametz? Because Yehuda ben Becerra says, you bring the carbon Pesach in the morning. And the Torah says, lo sochal al chametz dam zivchi. When you bring the carbon Pesach, no chametz. So according to Yehuda, as soon as the morning goes, there were people shechting the carbon Pesach. So there was no chametz either. So it turns out, let's take a look. Um, both of us, and you take a look, Rabbi Simon B'Shem Rishua ben Levi, he says, he says, you know, Rebbe, the great Rebbe, Yehuda Anasi, lo choya ocha lo chametz velo matzah. He didn't eat matzah because he also believed eating matzah was like 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 having relations with your wife before it's time, and it didn't chametz, and why? Because of Yehuda ben Becerra. Hmm. So now we know why Yehuda Hanasi did not eat chametz or matzah. He didn't seem to eat anything, seemingly all day. So the Gemara asks, that can't be. Verebi was Talmidi the Rabbi Yehuda ben Becerra. Was he the student of Yehuda ben Becerra? That's not true. We know that his uh, he wasn't with the Becerra boys. The Becerra boys were actually the family that ran Israel before Rebbe's great-great-great-great-grandfather got involved. That was Hillel. He wasn't a student of Yehuda ben Becerra. In fact, this is the first time ever I, I, I remember it. You know who his Rebbe was? Lo. Says the connection's unstable, but we'll see. You know who his student Talmide de Rabbi Yaakov ben Kudshi have? Yaakov ben Kudshi or Kudshai. That was his student. That was his teacher. He wasn't. He didn't believe with Becerra. He believed that you can only bring the carbon Pesach for midday, and therefore chametz only starts at midday. So why was it that Rebbe didn't eat? Ella begin to have because he was a Bechor. So here we have in the Yerushalmi another source for not, for fasting on Erev Pesach, if you're a Bechor. The Yerushalmi, it says Rebbe was a Bechor, because of that he didn't, he did not eat. Amar Ravmana, Ravmana says, wait a second, and again, here's Ravmana again, he's the king of the Yerushalmi. He says, Rabiona Abba, Rabiona, my dad, Havi Bechor, he was a Bechor, Vahavi Ochel, and he did eat. Now, I have to tell you that that is the text in most of the editions of the Yerushalmi is that Mana quoted his dad, that his dad was a Bechor and did eat. However, there are some Rishonim that actually the Ramban and others, the Ran, and I possibly the Rosh, 
who actually have a text here that Rav Mon is agreeing. Rav Yona was a Bechor, and they have the word lo ochal, v'hu lo ochal, he didn't eat. And this is very confusing, because is the Yerushalmi applauding the idea of fasting for a Bechor, or is it rejecting it? Even if you want to say that Mona, the king of the Yerushalmi, says, my dad was a Bechor, and he ate, you still see the idea of fasting from this Yerushalmi. And you're going to tell me, well, big deal. Everybody knows a Bechor fasts. Yeah, but what's the source? It's not in the Bavli anywhere. Not in the Bavli at all. How do a Bechor fast? So the source that's usually quoted is a book that's called Mesechta Soifrim. Now, Mesechta sounds like it's in the Talmud, but really Mesechta Soifrim is a, is, is, is a book that was written, that was put together after the, the, the Talmud was. And it was actually quite later. In fact, Masechta Sofrim was sort of a book that might have been in the, it, 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 it might have been in progress, in development from, because it was basically a book of rules. What, how should you read the Torah? What should you read the Torah every parsha? Rules for reading the Torah, rules for davening. It was sort of like a sitter. But it was developed, perhaps began to be developed early on, but it, the format that it took is really quite late. Uh, there's a lot of interesting tidbits in Masechta Sofrim, but it's not from the time of the Mishnah or the Gemara. It's, it's later. It's from the time post the Talmud. Post, it, it, it's from the Gaonim, Rabbanan Savroi. In many ways, we follow Masechta Sofrim, for example, about what we read in the Torah what should be our parshiot and things like that. We go to Masech to Sofrim, even though it goes against what's in the Talmud. And this, of course, causes a lot of confusion. How can you give the Masech to Sofrim uh, muscle over the Talmud? And there's a whole bunch of issues, but it clearly its provenance is later than a Yerushalmi. So therefore, this is a pretty big thing. And in fact, there are many Rishonim who say, you know where it says you, a Bechor has to fast? From the Yerushalmi says a Bechor has to fast. And again, this is the issue, yes or no. Because if, you, if we read the Yerushalmi the way the, the standard text, it sounds like Rav Mona, the king of the Yerushalmi, says, I'm telling you, my dad didn't fast. But you know what? He didn't fast. So why did Rebbe fast? Amar of Tanchuma Lomen the reason was not because he was a Bechor. Elamin Hadah. Rebbe Istanisave. Rebbe had a very fragile, delicate uh, um, um, <laughs> disposition in terms of eating. Kad Ochel Biyamama, when he would eat during the day, Lalavi Ochel Biramsha, he wouldn't eat at night. And therefore, he didn't. Therefore, since Seder night, you need to eat. He didn't eat all day. <laughs> so therefore, why didn't he eat all day? Or in this case, Yomtov, he wanted to come into Yomtov with a desire. And by the way, Shulchan Aruch codifies this and says anybody who has this type of disposition should be fasting. So according to the, our standard text, it sounds like there's a rejection of the idea of a Bechor, and there's, a, and there's an alternative idea, that you should fast just because 
in order to be hungry and to be desirous. But again, obviously, uh, you know, when I taught this a couple of days ago, there was a fellow who's struggling with his weight issues and says, I wish I was that way. Uh, although maybe, you know, who, who knows? Maybe with Corona, who knows? With shortages, maybe we might all become this way. Who knows? <laughs> that we're not going to have uh, uh, the desire to eat as much and we can get by with much less. Get our uh, get our endorphins and fixes that we usually get out of the food, out of some other things. But anyway, that's the way Rebbe was. Now, the third, so basically we've dealt with, the Yashalmi has been the source of two things already. Not eating uh, matzah on Erev Pesach, which is one thing I want to talk about. The idea of Bechorim fasting. And here we come to the third thing. Amr uh, avodim. You know what a slave usually is? A slave in a house, an indentured servant, he's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's uh, Calipurnia, I think, in the in, in, in to kill a mockingbird, right? <laughs> right? Um, I, I think so. Leon's looking, right? She remember in To Kill a Mockingbird. Remember, Calipurnia, Atticus Finch is saying, Calpurnia, right? Are you gonna don't bring the children to the courthouse, right? But she wasn't sitting with them. She was she was telling Jem and Scout, right? She was telling Jem and Scout, you go eat your food, right? But she would be eating Ma'umid, right? She would probably be eat standing up. The Khan on the night of Pesach, Leos Ochlin Mesubin. Now, does that mean us, or does that mean the Calipurnias among us? Does that mean the indentured servants? It could be we're just talking about us. Says you're not a servant today. You've got to be sitting down. You've got to be. You got to have the whole full monty the way you're eating. Okay, so that means uh, we have to have an attitude. We have to be with couches and, and beds, and we have to have the ambiance of, of being rich and, and aristocratic. But Rab Simon, uh, in the name Yeshua ben Levi, said, Rab Simon said, I don't know if the whole meal. Basically, you know, the kezayat. The whole meal, I don't know, but the kezayat... Okay, now is he talking about all of us, or only the, or, or even the indentured servants? Not clear. Here comes the question. Rabbiosi boy come Reb Simon. Rabbiosi asked Reb Simon, "What about Afil Eved Lifnei Rabo? What about a servant? He lives in the Jewish house. Does the servant? Does the servant need to?" assume the position as well. Is the servant assuming the position on Pesach or not? What about Isha with Nebala? What about a wife? And again, this is not politically correct, but wives in those days sounded like that they had a fear of their husbands. They, right? Um, right? That they, 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 in a sense, were submissive. Should they lounge like 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 they are queens on the night of the Seder? Amarle, he said to him, he said, now there is a, a question what the next two words are. Some have the uh, the text here, not Kafresh, but as you can see here on the side, 
Beisresh. And it sounds for Biribi. Biribi is, you're a great rabbi. <laughs> you're a good man. But the next two letters sound for Adkan Shamati. This is what I've heard. Now, was he saying, I heard, yes, that a servant should lean? Is that what was said? Or was he saying, I haven't heard any more about that? I don't know. Not sure. <laughs> what was he saying? Uh, so this really leads to the third question that I wanted to deal with today, which is, there were servants. How did they act at the Seder? It was a question that Yerushalmi was asking. A Jewish servant. How's he supposed to be? I mean, are you supposed to call him in and say, well, usually you definitely would not be sitting at the table here, leaning with us and, 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 and acting like this. But maybe tonight, everybody's okay. Now, I want to show you, we, we talked about the Rambam before. just want to point out something on, on that note. Um, the Rambam, when he talks about, and you can see it here, the Rambam talks, and we talked about how you're supposed to spe- speak to your children. So the Rambam says, Based on the um, based on the mental acuity of your child, where he is, that's the way the father should talk to him. Ketzad, let's start with the lowest level. Im otipesh. If your if your son is either very young or feeble-minded or just foolish in his thinking, Omer lo, you should say to him, Bini, my son, kulonu hayinu avodim. We were all avodim. Kemo shiv chazo, o kemo eved zeh. What are you supposed to say? You're supposed to point to the Evan who's at the table and say, hey, hey you see Calipernia there? Uh, you see uh, you see Sambo over there? Yeah, we were like that. Yeah, we were like that. Like that Evan. That's the way we were, the Rambam says. That's what you're supposed to do. So it's clear from the Rambam that the Rambam's talking in his time and in other times, you had a Vodim around you. And you could actually use them, the Rambam seems to say, sort of like as a visual aid. My Rebbe, Rabbi Zweig, said that he feels this is the source for the idea of why the Haggadah became a book with pictures. You know, the Haggadah, the Jewish book, you know, there was a, there's a whole debate, you know, do Jew, is, are Jewish texts supposed to have beautiful pictures with them? Or maybe there, there's been this theory that because of Jewish aversion to icons and imagery, uh, the Jews stayed away from illustrating their, their texts. Or they illustrated them without pictures of people, at least. There might have been, uh, but they stayed away from things because images were, were a problem. And some people have even theorized this is why, despite Jewish uh, the Jewish mind and the Jewish uh, Kishronot, we, don't, we have a dearth of Jewish artists in the Renaissance. Uh, they stayed away from that. But here we have the, the, most, the, the most Jewish book that we have, the one that's been printed the most oftentimes, full of pictures. So some say that it's really based from this, this idea the Rambam says, because we want our kids to have something to look at here. We, we sort of like buck the system and want to have pictures as far as that goes. But anyway, but clearly, you know, that's a different point. Uh, I just thought it was interesting. But, but here you see the idea of avodim. 
that the Avodim are at the table. But how are the Avodim at the table? What should they be like? So really, it really depends on how you learn the Yershalmi, right? How do you learn the Yershalmi? Is the Yershalmi saying even an Eved or maybe not? Um, there is a, a way to, to solve this. Um, and part of it is, is to understand, and this is Rabbi Yaakov Reicher, um, one of the great uh, poskim who writes in his commentary on the Shulchan Aruch Yaakov. He says that um, there is a difference. There are two types of servants. One is called uh, the Eved Ivri, and the other is called uh, the Eved Kanani, okay, or the Eved Nochri. The Eved Ivri is an indentured servant who, as we know, needs money. Sometimes it's because he stole, and he becomes part of the family, but he has another family. He's forced to live with you, but you've got to take good care of him. That guy, and again, this sounds um, not politically correct, but that guy had favored status as a servant. He's leaving after a couple years, after he pays his debt. He was someone that should assume the position, even though he perhaps usually doesn't. He's the one that, he's the Calpurnia that they say, you're sitting at the table. He's the one that we're all together in this because he's a Jew. And even though perhaps normally he wouldn't be in this position, the master, the owner, has to, uh, at least for tonight, look at things differently and invite him in. And he, you know, I don't know if he's working, but at least when he eats that, that kezai samatza, you ask him to come to the table and give him his couch and give him his pillow. However, uh, the Eved Kanani, the non-Jew who has been forced to become a Jew, he was forced into it. Uh, th- and this happened a lot. You would buy them. Originally, they were, they were the spoils of battle. They were people that, that we conquered. And we conquered, and we and we then took these people over, and whether they liked it or not. Now again, there was issues about acceptance, but they became Jews forcefully. And of course, the Talmud says about them that they have all the mitzvot of a woman. They 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 are exempt from sukkah and lulav and other things like that, all time bound mitzvot. But they have to do all the mitzvot that women do. That's the eved kanani or the non-Jewish Eved, but who's who, a, a, born a non-Jew who becomes this Eved. In fact, the Talmud says you're not supposed to free them. The Talmud says they remain Avodim, unless there's a very overwhelming need. Uh, Rav Kook Satsal spoke about this uh, at the beginning of the 20th century because Moshe Zeidel, who was... Uh, uh, Obviously, part of the 20th century and, 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 and slavery was, was, was outlawed already for hundreds of years, said, how could the Torah brook such a thing? And Rav Cook was forced to come up with one of the uh, defenses that uh, American anti-abolitionists came up with was, you have to realize these people came from countries that were completely uncivilized and, and, and were pagan and, and did terrible things. They were raised with a terrible mentality. It's only if we keep them 
uh, under our thumb that we can actually uplift them and change them. Uh, Rav Cook mentions this, and he also mentions other things. He also, Rav Cook says, based on, and it's clear when you read Rav Cook's letter, that he's talking about things that he observed in England, where uh, in the coal mines, uh, just to mention another great movie, we talked about uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, How Green Was My Valley, uh, John Ford's classic, and it's about life in the coal mines. Uh, I don't know if it's a, the type of movie I would recommend to lift up your spirits during the corona. No, Leon, no, you wouldn't. But it's really about how people suffered as uh, in the mines. Uh, there's another great uh, movie on that with Paul Muni. I forgot what it's called but also um, where he plays a coal miner. Uh, you can look it up. Coal miners were, were, were workers who were free, but the owners of the mine didn't care about them. <laughs> they were, in other words, Ref Cook says, there's always going to be people who are the have-nots. That's just the way capitalism works. <laughs> I know what Marx tried to do. But Rav Cook says the capitalism is sort of entrenched. And there are people who are on the lower rung of society. And if they're going to be like the coal miners, Rav Cook says, then the owner of the mine is just worried about his factory. And therefore, he's just going to, if they're going to die in, in, in a cave, and he'll just say, yeah, we were, we'll get more people to come into the mine. Rav Cook says, what would be if they owned those people? <laughs> that the same way they owned the mine, they also owned the people. Then they wouldn't send them in. They wouldn't endanger them because they paid for those people. It sounds terrible, doesn't it? But Rav Cook uses this as to just yeah. It uses this as the justification why the Torah allowed slavery. Anyway, therefore, it was better, in other words, for them. Again, I'm just telling you what Rav Cook says, and I, you know that I don't gussy things up. I, I don't try to be an apologist for for the Torah, and that's part of again. And I I hope you appreciate that. I'm not an apologist, but I think that this was the mental attitude of of of, of the Torah and Chazal, and because of that, we have avodim at the Seder. And here, Yaakov Reischer says, you have two types of Avodim. That second type of Eved wouldn't be leaning. And the reason why is because it's a phony to him. It's a farce to him. He doesn't feel it. And in fact, if he's called in to do this type of stuff at the Seder, it's not going to make him feel free. It's 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 so much part of him to be subservient, and he doesn't even have. He realizes he's probably not going free. That master, what are you call me in for? This is a joke. I, I don't feel like. What are you doing this? I, I I just don't feel right. I I don't feel right being in this way, and therefore the idea of being, the idea of forcing like a certain format on someone is actually wrong. It's not cheros. It's like, okay, I'm leaning back, but boy, am I uncomfortable. Uh, I'm never like this. Uh, and you never treat me like this. I'm supposed to feel like this. Uh, when I look at you, I'm looking at something else. 
I, I'm looking at I, I'm looking at, at something else completely. I, 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 I'm just not comfortable at it. It, it. it really is weird for me. So the Torah again, even though you he has the mitzvah of eating the matzah, but not in this fashion. The the haseba sort of actually unsettles him. He he's more comfortable in the kitchen. He's more comfortable sitting at the stool and just putting the matzah in his mouth. The seba really, as much as we like, you know, yeah. So that that I believe is 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 is, is the way to look at it. And there are. I just want to show you uh, one last thing. We'll end with today. Uh, let's see if it's here. The, the pre chadash. Um, this is one of my favorites for him. Uh, I'm sorry that the print is so old fashioned. Uh, oh boy. Let's take a look. Um, okay. So, um, to the page before that. Okay. Um, this is from Rav Chaim Chizkiyo de Silva. He was the rabbi of Yerushalayim. Hi ho Silva. Chaim Chizkiyo de Silva. He was the rabbi in Yerushalayim. And this is sort of like an anti-commentary. It's a commentary that he wrote on Shulchan Aruch, but he sort of like upends every psak in, in the Shulchan Aruch. <laughs> He's always disagreeing with it. But he says, look, you know, the Shulchan Aruch has become standard. I basically disagree almost all the time, but nobody's going to buy my book if I say this is my anti-Shulchan Aruch book. So here's my commentary on the Shulchan Aruch, which is basically, I upend the Shulchan Aruch. Chaim Chizkiyo de Silva, the pre-Chodosh. A really wonderful comment, really great. I just want to show you what he writes here. Um, And take a look here. Here we go. Habet Yosef Hevi B'Shem Smak. The Bet Yosef brings from one of the Rishonim, uh, Rabbeinu, it's, uh, it's uh, Rabbi Yitzchok Mikurvil. Smak stands for Sefer Mitzvah HaKatan. And this is one of the authors, the Rishonim, who came up with a way to codify the, 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 the laws of Teresh Peh based on the positive and negative commandments uh, throughout the week. I'll talk about it a different time. But if you look at, and I did look up the smak, uh, the smak writes, quotes, clearly the smak understood the Yerushalmi to say, I don't know about an Eved uh, uh, in front of his master. He says, Eved with me, I don't know, ain't no massive. He says, Velinira, the pre-Chodesh says, haseba. I don't care what type of Eved it is. He should be Leaning, assuming the position of a free man. Why? Didamio Dishamish. The, the Gemara speaks about a, a servant in the house, not a slave, but a, a person who's working as the waiter, and he might have a job there for years. And look at this. There were a lot of girls that were captured. A lot of girls were captured and redeemed. 
I'll mention another movie, The Searchers. <laughs> if you remember that, where they go, I also thumbs up. Remember, they go to get the, they go to get Debbie, right? She was captured by the, by the, by the Apache, or by the Comanche, I think it was, by the Comanche. They were, uh, 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 right? And the whole movie is going to find them. And of course, John Wayne wants to kill her <laughs> because she's become uh, a, a Comanche. And of course, Jeffrey, Jeff Chandler, wants to save her because he considers himself an adopted brother of hers. Great, great movie. I think the ending of The Searchers is one of, (laughs) it's probably the top ending of any movie you can ever watch. But anyway, Debbie is like, uh, she she was brought back into the fold, right? A Jewish girl, imagine, that was captured and was living among these, these heathens who raped her and did all that stuff to her. And you brought her back. We don't even know where her parents are parents were killed out like in that in that massacre over there like with ethan's brother so then you bring debbie back you bring the jewish girl back she becomes part of uh she becomes part of of the new family she hasn't got any but you know what she she can't it's hard for her to, to to become really anything but you know what she might consider herself like i don't know what i am she should be leaning at the table she's a jew Oh, Shivchos, Shikona, maybe someone you bought, slaves that were bought. Remember, this was written in the beginning of in the 1600s. Yeah, you bought this slave, you bought this guy. The Acherkach Mizgairos, and then you had them go through sort of conversion. Kul and Yesh Lem Shamish. They are Shamish, the Boy Haseba. And therefore, they need Haseba. And the Yashalmi says that as well. And when Yerushalmi says, Evid Bifnei Rabo, he answered, Beribi, Adkan Shamati, which Silva says means, yeah, those two need, Beribi, you smart guy, those two, those need also Haseba. I should tell you that Rabbi Yaakov Reischer says it's possible that what the Prichodosh means is because even though he's, he might be talking about real Avadim, uh, not just Evid Ivry. Maybe. Did anybody else lose the rabbi sound? Yep. Hi, everyone. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah, right. we, we lost you there for, for the past. Yeah. So anyway, so I think what Rabbi Yaakov Reicher says is that they could be free. I know the Talmud says don't free them, but you know what? Maybe they will. And I think that's, uh, again, it's anachronistic, but it, it, re- it represented the reality. And, uh, you know, and, and I thought it would be interesting to share with you this idea of slaves at the table. Okay, so that's basically it. I, I think I covered the, uh, I covered the three areas um, about uh, fasting Erev Pesach. Uh, and by the way, again, um, uh, clearly you can see that it's a question, yes or no. This year especially, uh, Rav Heinemann ruled that we need to be as healthy as possible as a Bukhar, whoever you are. And if fasting is going to weaken you, you definitely don't have to fast at all. The Mishnah Burr himself writes um, that if, if, if fasting is going to make your Seder a different Seder, you won't be able to eat and be involved and you're going to be lethargic, uh, etc. So 
as you can see, the Yerushalmi, it went back and forth. So therefore, a Bechor, even without a Siyam, is able to, uh, to, um, to dispense with it. I want to just end with a, a beautiful, beautiful idea. Uh, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was uh, developed by the great Reb Shlomo Zalman Orbach. Uh, Reb Shlomo Zalman Orbach uh, asks the question. He says it's a funny thing if the idea of the fast is celebrating, uh, like the miracle, so to speak, of of the miracle of we were saved. It should really be a day of celebration. Right? It should be like a Purim. You know, we were saved. The Bukharim were not killed. And and also, when did it happen that the Bukhar was saved? The Bukhar was saved the night of Pesach, not Erev Pesach. Sort of like the wrong time to be doing it, especially with so much to do on Erev Pesach. So so the whole custom seems strange. Yeah, the Yerushalmi mentions it, and it clearly was something people were doing, but it sounds weird. I want to tell you something. Rafa Zalman uh, comes up with something that is so incredible here. He says that if you think about it, the Bukharim became special at the night when Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim occurred. When the Mitzrayim died, at that moment something special happened to us. It's not that just God skipped our house. The Bukharim of our people became invested with a power with, with, with an energy to represent the family in, in a powerful way. They were ready to take their role as leaders. The Sferno actually explains how this was, in a way, a much more egalitarian system instead of having Kohanim. Every firstborn who represented the best of the young parents was able to go out there into whatever Beis Hamikdash or Mishkan or whatever Avoda would be. And, 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 and it's not, every family had its going, its firstborn. And when he wasn't serving in the base of Mikdash, you knew that you had among you a leader, someone special. And clearly, the Bechorim would have been the ones who would have slaughtered the Korban Pesach. They would have been the ones, each family would send their firstborn. And that would be the one who would lead the Avoda. He would the one to be taking the blood. He'd be the one who would, and you would watch. Oh, there he is. There's our Bukhor. That that's our that's our boy. That was the that's the way the picture would have been. But something happened. What happened was that the day before Moshe came down with the Luchot, the Bukhorim were doing their job. You know what they were doing? They were slaughtering animals to the Agel. <laughs> they were slaughtering animals to something that was basically Avodah Zarah. That was their great moment. True, they had the moment at Sinai. That's true. They were also there. But 40 days later, they were out there slaughtering the Korbanot. And because of that, God took away the schut of being Kohanim from them. And they still have some Kedusha. They still have the Kedusha. But Arabach says, can you imagine what it feels like when you go to the Kohen who sort of took the place of the Bukhar and you, you're po to your child 
to the Kohen. And the Kohen takes the, the money, takes the Kedusha away. He's the one that has it. The Kohanim are the ones that sort of took over. And, so can you imagine the way Kohanim felt, Bechorim felt, when, on the day of Erev Pesach? They couldn't eat. It was the saddest day for them because it was the, everybody questioned, that could have been us. Therefore, they became accustomed. Bechorim fasted. Fasting over the Chet Egel, Fasting over what could have been. Hoping maybe that one day God will, will, will bring it back and we're going to be able to, to be there. Again, this is a whole big question. Roshulma <laughs> Zalman says, if you look at the Archaim HaKadosh and other places, it sounds like in the future, the Bechorim will be with the Kohanim together, right? The, the Kohanim are going to be pushed out. The Bechorim are going to come back and have their role. But he says, this, is the, this could be the reason why Bechorim fast. Isn't that really incredible? It's such, such an incredible idea. Says, and that's why Bechorim fasted. They fasted out of a sense of tshuva. Because we know the Cheda Egel is sort of representative of all our Averot. And therefore, they felt it the most. They felt it the most in terms of what could have been given to them and how they could have made the most of it and how it was squandered. And even though they weren't the ones who did the Cheda Egel, but in a way, they feel the worst. And therefore, there was this idea of fasting. Now, Orabach quotes one of the great Hasidic Rebbes, uh, one of the ones that was considered one of the most brilliant Kabbalists, Reb Tzvi Hersh who said, who suggested, if you look in the original source of Masech Sofrim, when it speaks about fasting, it says, HaBechoros Mit Anin. The suggested maybe the text should have been Mit Agnin. The Bechorus would actually be happy <laughs> on that day. Now, uh, Orbach says that's probably not right. <laughs> the text doesn't seem to justify that. But he says, in other words, he, uh, Zidit Shriver said, Zidit Shriver was a Bechor, he didn't fast. He didn't even go to a Siyam. And his nephew, Rebutzik Isaac Zidit Shriver, didn't fast. They didn't fast. And the reason was they felt that really it's a day of Simcha, Erev Pesach for the Bukhar. Orabach says, you know what? The Zidichaver was a tzaddik. What he said is probably incorrect in the text. But you know what? The fact that we send all the Bukharim to a Siyam, the fact that we send them to hear Divrei Torah, that's a big Nechama. Because, yeah, you can't be the Kohen, but you've got something even better. You can learn. A person who learns Torah properly is big. It says, that Torah is bigger and more precious than jewels. More precious. That's a bad movie, by the way. But as you know, from, from Renee Zellweg or whatever she calls, more precious than jewels. But the term comes from Mishle, which means if you have Torah, you can even be greater than the Kohen Gadol himself who goes lifnei v'lifnim, p'ninim. You can be even greater than that. So the Kohen actually gets oneg, Orabach says, when he goes to a seum. That gives him the oneg and the simcha back. Yeah, I've got Torah. I can learn about Korbanos. I can learn about Korban Pesach. I can learn about these things. The seum actually is a way to, to, to resolve the pain of the Bukhar. 
And in that way, he could be mitaneg again. So that's it, my friends. In terms of uh, of this, uh, I wish you all the best in terms of a chag kosher v'samech. You can always get to me anyway with go to meeting or Zoom or call me. You have any? I'm not your posek, obviously, but as uh, but uh, if you want, uh, be in touch and. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.